Okay, it's been a while, but uh, we're heading back into the Psalms tonight, and uh, we're going to be in Psalm, I, I hope I got it right, I think we the last one we did was Psalm 6, and so we're going to go to Psalm number 7 tonight, and, and uh, it is a psalm about persecution, and David was being persecuted wrongly, and uh, partly because he was a man of God, and... Uh, he reacts to it in kind of an unusual way, and we're going to see that as as we look at Psalm number seven. and And the title here is to the psalm is very important. So, if you have your Bibles, first of all, just look at the title to the psalm. It's called a meditation of David, which he sang unto the Lord uh, concerning the words of Cush, a Benjamite. Now, we get a big clue about Cush here uh, in this uh, text or in this introduction, in this title. We, we're told he's a Benjamite. Who else was a Benjamite that was a contemporary of David? Uh, he actually was the one who was after David probably about this time. It was, it was Saul. And so uh, I'm, I'm, I'm sure that, that uh, Saul uh, was, had the ear of or Cush had the ear of Saul, and Saul was devil-baited. Saul was a paranoid man. I mean, he had drifted far away from the Lord, and, and uh, he, was, he, was, he was subject to, to all sorts of, receiving all sorts of lies as truth, and he felt that everybody was out to give him, get him, even his own son, Jonathan. And so, so when Cush slanders David, and that's more than likely what happens, uh, Saul it just adds fuel to the fire that uh, that that Saul or the hate that Saul had for uh, David, and so uh, Cush's words cause Saul to persecute David even more. And I'm sure David was angry, and he was hurt, and uh, uh, he he does something really strange. I mean, he doesn't strike back at Cush. There's nothing here about striking back at Cush. He doesn't even strike back at Saul. What does he do? He sings a song unto the Lord. Try that sometimes when you're angry. I mean, he doesn't just sing a song. He writes a song to the Lord, and he sings the song unto the Lord. You know, David had a habit of strengthening himself in the Lord. That's where he found his strength. He didn't find his strength in, in wine or in, in the women that he was married to or in his children. Uh, he found his strength in the Lord. I mean, over and over again, we see David, when he's in a difficult situation, strengthening himself in, in the Lord. I'm reminded of the time when, when uh, the Amalekites came and destroyed Ziglag, which was his home before he became king. And and all of his wives and, and children and his property were taken away, and all the property and wives and children of his men, and, and they, were, they had had it at that point, and they were ready to stone David. And, and the Bible's real clear in, in 1 Samuel, I think it's chapter 30, it says that David sat down and he strengthened himself in the Lord. Now, how do you strengthen yourself in the Lord? You ponder 
on the things of the Lord. You, you take your eyes off your circumstances and you take the time. I mean, here's David. He's about to be stoned. Here's David in this, this uh, psalm and he's about to be persecuted. And instead of striking back or thinking, how am I going to get back at Cush? How am I going to get back at Saul? He sits down and he strengthens himself in the Lord. And he does that by writing a song. It's interesting that David must have done that a lot because we've got a book full of psalms that he wrote in very trying, most of them in very trying circumstances. So that was his habit. When he got in trouble, his habit was to go to the Lord, to ponder the things of the Lord. If you sit down and you write a song, you're going to have to think about a lot of things to make that, to, to create that song. And, and his songs were about the Lord. So what's he doing when he's writing that psalm? He's thinking about the Lord. He's not really thinking about Cush. Now, he has that on his mind. Obviously, we're going to see that in the song. But his primary thought or his primary focus is on the Lord himself. So, so let's go to this, this, uh, this psalm that David writes when he's, he's, he's patiently reflecting on the Lord and listen to what he says. He says in verse number one, he says, O Lord, my God. I mean, he considered the Lord his God. I mean, his personal God. I mean, that's a good place to come. I mean, Saul, when you listen to Saul speak about the Lord, he says, your Lord, or their Lord, or their God, or your God. But David says, oh, Lord, my God, you, in you I put my trust. Save me from all those who persecute me. David's God was El Roy, the God who sees, Ishmael the God who hears. And so he knew that the Lord saw what Cush was doing. He heard what Cush was doing. He saw what Saul was doing. He understood the situation uh, fully. And so David says, oh, Lord, my God, in you I put my trust. Save me, Lord, and deliver me. He says, deliver me from those who persecute me, men like Cush. You know, I got to tell you, the world is full of men like and women like Cush. Men who will slander people, speak evil of people, things they know aren't true. I mean, that's what's really sad about the political landscape in America today, the media landscape in America today. You you can't hear the truth. People make up things to bring to bring evil upon people they don't agree with, on people they don't like. And so, so that's exactly what Cush was doing to David. He was, he was speaking lies about David to Saul. And like I said earlier, Saul was devil bait and paranoid. And so he listened to those lies, and it caused him to persecute David even more. And then he says in verse number 2, Lest they tear me like a lion, rending, rending me in pieces, while there is none to deliver. David had seen, he was a shepherd boy when he grew up, he had seen what a lion could do to a helpless lamb when there was no shepherd there to deliver that lamb. And so he uses that metaphor in his own situation, and he says, Lord, they, they want to destroy me. They want to tear me to pieces, just like I've, I've seen a lion tear a lamb to pieces. They, they, they're not going to have any mercy on me. But... They didn't, that lamb didn't have a deliverer, but I have a deliverer. Oh, Lord, my God, 
In you I put my trust. Then he says in verse number three, he says, Oh, Lord, my God, if I've done this, if I've done what Cush is accusing me of to Saul, if there's iniquity in my hands, if I have repaid evil to him who was once at peace with me or have plundered my enemy, as Cush is saying, without cause, then let the enemy, like a lion, pursue me, overtake me, and rend me to pieces. Yes, let him trample my life to the earth and lay my honor in the dust. And then he says, Silo, which means he pauses and he thinks about this whole situation some more. He ponders it some more. So in this part of the psalm, David is pleading his innocence before the Lord. He says, Lord, in this particular case, I am innocent. I did nothing deserving of what uh, Saul and Cush are doing to me. I'm, and, and so he, 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 he says, if I've done something wrong, if there's something that, that I did to them that gives them cause to do me wrong, then, then let me suffer for that. I mean, there's times, I mean, it's strange sometimes how people will persecute you for no reason. And, 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 and sometimes I think we deserve the persecution we get. But a lot of times we don't. And when we're persecuted like that, I mean, I, I think it's great to plead with the Lord and say, Lord, hey, I don't deserve this. I mean, I'm certainly not a perfect person. And David wouldn't by any means saying I'm a perfect, just man in, in everything that I do. But he was saying in this case, I'm innocent. And, and so don't let these people kill me. And, and he's speaking to the Lord and he's pausing and he's thinking about this. And this has probably been going on for a while. And Saul's been persecuting him for a while. And he says, Lord, don't you see this? I mean, Lord, arise, he says in the next verse. Arise, O Lord. In the King James, it's awake, O Lord. I mean, the, David understood the heart of God, at least partially. He understood that God hates injustice and that injustice makes God angry. So he says, Lord, don't you see this injustice against me? Why don't you do something about this injustice? But David also understood that the Lord is long-suffering with the wicked. And so sometimes the Lord doesn't move as fast as we would like him to do because he's working out other things than, than what we want to do. So, so he says basically, Lord, get up and help me. Wake up. Awake, Lord, and help me. It's time. I mean, I can't go much further in, in this situation. And I, I know some of us have felt like that at times. I mean, Lord, when are you going to come to my rescue? When is, when is this situation going to change? He's kind of like a young child who hears some noises at night and dad's asleep and he goes in there and shakes dad and says, dad, get up, get up. There's something going on outside. And that's 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 the picture here of what's happening to David. And so so uh, I mean, there's a lot of times in our life where we just wonder, Lord, why aren't you doing something? But God always has a reason for delaying his deliverance. And usually the reason when it's a when it applies to his children, he's going to he's tr- putting us in a situation that will that will grow us, mature us, or it will bring him honor or both. You remember, of course, the story of uh, uh, Mary and Martha when Lazarus was dying and and uh, they were wondering that whole time, Lord, where are you? 
I mean, where, I mean, why don't you come? You love Lazarus. I mean, where, and when he finally gets there, where have you been? He waited four days after Lazarus had died before he even, before he even came uh, to raise Lazarus from the dead. But remember what the Lord said to his disciples before he left to, to go raise Lazarus from the dead. He said, I'm, I'm waiting so, so that, you know, this, this miracle is going to honor God that God will be glorified in this situation. And, and God is waiting and putting David through this persecution for a purpose because in the end, God knows where David's going to be. David wasn't going to live in caves and run from Saul the rest of his life. David was going to be king of Israel. And, and God was going to be honored, and David was going to be honored in God's time. It, w- it wasn't that time yet, but he was going to be honored. Uh, so... Uh, if you're in trouble, you get your, if you're not in trouble now, you will be. Let me, I promise you. Uh, God sees. He's Elroy. God hears. He's Ishmael. You got to ponder that. Take your eyes off the television set or off of some, a movie or whatever and put your eyes on the Lord and remember, He sees your situation. He hears those people who are slandering you. Here's what's going on in your life. And if he's delaying your deliverance, he's delaying it for a reason. For your good or, and to honor uh, him. Uh, and now David, David actually carries this into a deeper uh, realm. And he's going to be prophetic about this. And so he says, just as one day all of the nations who surround you uh, in other words, plead my cause and judge my enemies just as one day you're going to judge all the nations. And that's what he basically says in verse number seven. He says, so the congregations of the people shall surround you. Or you could translate the nations. So one day all of the nations are going to stand before the Lord. And every knee is going to bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord. And, and so for their sakes... You're going to return on high. You're going to be on your throne. You're going to be, you're going to be uh, the judge of, of the whole earth. And then in verse number 8, says, he, that's why he says in verse number 8, the Lord shall judge the peoples. And just as you're going to judge the nations uh, with his future judgment, judge me, he says in the next part of verse 8. O Lord, according, now watch this, this is interesting. He says, according to my righteousness, in according to my integrity within me. Now that's that's a pretty bold statement, but I don't think what David is saying here is that that I'm perfectly righteous or that I have perfect integrity. Obviously, we know the rest of David's life and we know he didn't he wasn't a perfectly righteous man and he didn't have perfect integrity. So he's not talking about righteousness based upon self-righteousness. Uh, nobody wants to be judged based upon our self-righteousness. We want to be judged based upon the righteousness that's a gift from God. That's what we want to be judged for. Judge, judge, uh, that's what we want our judgment to be based upon. And we know David understood that because if you look back at Psalms number 5 when we were back there, he says in verse number 7, he says, I will come into your house in the multitude of your mercy. I mean, I understand when I come before you that I'm a sinner and I need a multitude of mercies to save me. But your multitude of mercies are what make me righteous. And so 
in God's eyes, David was a righteous man. Just as Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. The same thing was true for David. He believed God and it was uh, accounted to him for righteousness. So what David is talking about right here in, in the verse that we're looking at right now is that judge me in this situation based upon my righteousness. I've, I've been righteous in the way I've dealt with Saul and Cush. Uh, uh, judge me based upon that. And when you're in a situation where you're in trouble, it's much easier to expect help from God uh, if you're in the right in the situation. I mean, if, if you're being persecuted unjustly, God is a just God. And you have every right to say, God, this is not fair. What's going on here is not fair. I haven't treated these people wrong that are treating me wrong. And that's what David is, is pleading. He's pleading his case right here. And uh, even when we're wrong in a situation, it's, it's okay to plead with God for help. Uh, but sometimes that help might be delayed to teach us a lesson. Even if we're in the right, sometimes it might be delayed. Because, again, to bring God honor, to, to help mature us in the faith, God's going to let us go through some trials. And he was preparing David to be king. Then verse number 9, it says, Oh, let the wickedness of the wicked come to an end. How about that? That's, that's pretty rich, isn't it? Let the wickedness of the wicked come to an end. And then he says, but establish the just. Now, this is, this is some really good theology right here. We expect that in the Bible, don't we? For the righteous God tests the hearts and minds of all men and all women, is what David is saying there. And you know what the Lord finds when he tests the hearts of men and women? He he. He tells us in his word, in the Psalms, and he tells us over in Romans chapter 3. Let me tell you what he finds, or his, what his conclusion is. There is none righteous, no, not one. So we're all wicked. The, Jeremiah says the heart is desperately wicked. So David is pleading, not just Cush and Saul, let the wickedness of the wickedness come to an end. Let it even come to end to an end in my own heart. I mean, whenever we go to, to, to asking judge, uh, God to judge others on our behalf, we've got to remember that there's wickedness in us too. And that God has every right to judge us as much as he has to judge our enemies. And so what we want God to do is get rid of our wickedness as well as get rid of the wickedness of the people who are persecuting us. And he says in verse number 10, he says, my defense is of God, the one who makes me righteous. That's what I stand on. You know, Paul speaks in Romans chapter 5 of how by faith we stand in the presence of God. It's through the faith in the blood of Jesus Christ that gives us our standing. It gives us our righteousness. That's how how come we can boldly stand at the throne room of God. And if we ever forget that, uh, we're, 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 God's going to allow us to fall. I mean, I, I mean, God always hears our prayers, but you want God to hear your prayers. First of all, you've got to, you've got to recognize who you are and that you're one of the wicked too outside the, the very grace of God. All right, then 
In verse number 11, he says, God is a just judge. And God is angry, watch this, with the wicked every day. He hates sin. He hates wickedness. I mean, every day. And it reminds me of what the author of Hebrews says in chapter 10 of Hebrews. He said, it is a terrifying thing to fall into the hands of the living God, who is a just judge. And he judges wickedness. Thank goodness there's a balance there that the Lord is long-suffering and his mercies are new every day. And, and he has mercy and, and patience with the wicked and with my wickedness and with your wickedness. Because again, there is none righteous, no, not one. That's why there shouldn't be a day go by a second go by that we don't thank God for the blood of Jesus Christ that makes us righteous, that causes God's anger to pass over us because God is angry with the wicked every day. And it's his righteousness that uh, puts us in a position for for God to show mercy to us. Uh, Without that God's righteousness... We're as bad as Cush. We're as bad as Saul. And David understood that. Uh, That's why the Bible teaches, and I want to say several places, but at least in a couple places, that vengeance belongs to the Lord. I mean, when you cry out for vengeance against the wicked, you've got to remember that there might be some people who were acting justly that you treated wickedly, that have a right to call out vengeance for vengeance against you. I know there's a lot of people along my uh, road that I've traveled in my life that have every right to cry out for, for vengeance on me, you know, the way I treated them, things I did to them. And so that's why Jesus says, forgive others as you've been forgiven. And, and, and vengeance belongs to the Lord because we all deserve God's vengeance, his revenge. Not really revenge because he doesn't get revenge. He, get, he gets justice. And we all deserve to be punished for the wicked things that we've done. David, David understood that and David, David was, had his own wicked problems and it, it gets even worse later on in David's life. So he, he had some wickedness too. And look at verse number 12. If he, the wicked... Uh, does, does not turn back, does not get saved, then he, the Lord, will sharpen his sword. He bends his bow and makes it ready. He also prepares for himself instruments of death. He makes his arrows into fiery shafts. I mean, there is a judgment coming for those who aren't covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. Those who aren't living and walking by faith. There is a judgment coming. Uh, we're in Genesis right now, and this Sunday we're going to be talking about the fact that that, uh, when you're looking at how God dealt with Abraham and and that time period in which, how he dealt with the people and the time period in which he lived, I mean, you see he did wonderful things. We saw Sunday he did wonderful things for Abraham. 
he's going to give Abraham a son. He's going to make his name great. He's going to make uh, Abraham into a great nation. He's going to bless all the nations of the earth. He's doing wonderful and great things for Abraham. Uh, and and uh, then in, in this Sunday's lesson, we're going to see Abraham arguing for God's mercy. And God's going to show us how he gives mercy to the people in Sodom that deserve destruction and how if there was ten righteous, he wouldn't destroy the city. But then there comes a point where God does judge Sodom, just like he's going to judge this world, uh, this entire human race. Those who have rejected Christ and hate Christ, they're going to all be judged at some point. So he's long-suffering, and he's patient with mankind because he wishes that none should perish, that all should come to eternal life. But at some point, the clock's going to strike midnight, and judgment is coming, and God's prepared for that. Verse number 14, Behold, the wicked brings forth iniquity. Yes, he conceives trouble and brings forth falsehood, but they're not going to get away with it. In fact, more often than not, a person who conceives falsehood often ends up digging their own pit in which they fall into, the pit that's going to destroy them. Look at verse number 15. He made a pit and dug it and has fallen into the ditch which he made for somebody else to fall in. His trouble shall return upon his own head. And his violent dealing shall come down on his own crown. I love the story, and you probably already know where I'm going to head, of Haman in the book of Esther. And how he, he, he wanted to kill Mordecai and the Jews because the Jews would not bow down to him. Really, Mordecai wouldn't bow down to him, so he wanted all the Jews dead. And he built a gallows uh, to hang Mordecai on, on, on the gallows and... And uh, it ended up being uh, Haman's own pit in which he fell into as he was hung. And that's, that happens over and over and over again. That's why we, when we were in the book of Revelation, I was talking about a lot of things that you see happening in the book of Revelation. I don't know that, I mean, you see angels pouring out these bowls of wrath. But I don't know that a lot of it isn't just mankind destroying mankind. And that, that uh, a lot of what we, we see are the effects of a nuclear war, of some all-out war, and all the disease and famine and all of that stuff that, that, that results from that. Because here is wicked man trying to destroy mankind, and, and uh, they end up all falling into the, to the pit in which they dug. Um, then in verse number 17, it says, I will praise the Lord. Now watch what he says here. According to his righteousness. That's how we praise the Lord. And I will I mean, he's, he's, he's pondering this whole situation. Uh, he's being persecuted. His life's in danger. And what's his conclusion? I'm going to praise the Lord. I'm going to sing unto the Lord. Because I trust the Lord. And I don't rely on my own righteousness. I trust in his righteousness. And I will sing praise in the name of the Lord Most High. You know, David's situation probably didn't change immediately after he wrote this song. Uh, 
But his heart changed. His attitude changed. His countenance changed. Because after pondering the Lord and the righteousness that the Lord had given him, and the fact that the Lord could see what he was going through and hear what he was going through, and he knew that the Lord was just and that he was, David was just in this situation, after he pondered all of those things, all he could do at that point was just sing to the Lord and praise the Lord because he knew in the end the Lord was going to deliver him one way or the other. And so uh, he strengthened himself in the Lord in the truth of who the Lord is. That's a good lesson for all of us. That's a, that's, that's a uh, process we all need to go through when we're persecuted, when we're slandered, when people don't treat us the way we think we deserve to be treated. That's to put ourselves in the, in the, in, in, at the feet of God, realize how unrighteous we are, how we deserve any bad thing that comes our way. But even then, if we're living righteously in that situation, we know that the Lord is just, and at some point, he's going to deliver us. And, and uh, he's got good purposes uh, in the trial that we're going through. I mean, I, I look at the United States of America today, and, and, and it is really, really getting dark for people who truly believe in Jehovah God and Jesus Christ. I'm talking about the Jehovah God and Jesus Christ of this Bible. And it's only going to get worse. But all of it is being allowed by God. He is on his throne. Just like he allowed David to be persecuted by Saul and by Cush and slandered uh, and have his life threatened, uh, he might allow us to go through some of those things. But we can get best thing to do when, when we're facing a situation that we think is, is not fair, that we're being treated, treated unjustly, the best thing to do is to sit down and think about the Lord. Maybe even write him a song and sing him a song. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we just thank you for all we have to sing about, all the great things, that, that uh, great promises that we know in the end they're gonna, they're gonna, things are going to swing in our favor in a big way. We know that we're your children, and Lord, that, that, that you have your eyes on us, that you have your ear on us, and that you're on your throne, and that nothing can come our way that you don't allow. And Lord, that even the worst things that come to our life, they come for our good, and Lord, to honor you. And so we just ask that next time we're in trouble, Next time we just, we're in a situation that just seems so impossible and so unfair that you'll give us the grace to sit down and just think about you, to sing to you praises, Lord. We just thank you that we have so much to be, to praise you for, Lord. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen.